Hi, this is Ryan Stegman, artist of Superior Spider-Man and the upcoming Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, and you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962, last Wednesday's afternoon, they'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandon. Hello and welcome to the Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. And I'm Mark Chinacchio, the founder of the Chasing Amazing blog and an editor at Superior Spider Talk. Thanks everybody for joining us for a special Amazing Friends episode of Amazing Spider Talk. We hope you enjoy this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans who happen to be collectors with a creator as we look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. That felt like a lot of, like, uh, precursors there, Dan. I there mean, was a you lot know. of precursors there, yeah. Okay, well, well to address your precursors, uh, yeah, today we're, our special guest, our special friend is artist Ryan Stegman. This is actually technically the second time he's joining the show. If you go all the way back to our archives, to the Superior Spider Talk days, we, we talked to Ryan uh, as part of our New York Comic Con 2013 coverage. So that's one for the archives. Uh, and, and, you know, when we talked to him then, we were talking about his work on Superior Spider-Man, but he's also since then done Wolverine, Uncanny Avengers. And uh, the focus of this conversation is going to be his upcoming work with Jerry Conway on the relaunch of Amazing Spider-Man, renew your vows. I'm really excited to talk to him, Mark. I don't know how much he can actually tell us, which will be interesting, but maybe we'll get some uh, some unique tidbits out of this. I like steak tidbits. There you go. Steak tidbits ahead. Listen in. Spider-Man and his amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. All right, Dan, like I said in the intro, uh, we're actually welcoming back uh, Ryan Stegman to the show. We, We first talked to Ryan back in... 2013 at New York Comic-Con during a, a kind of a, a flurry of, of different creator interviews. I'm sure Ryan remembers it oh so well, right? Like it was probably like the Absolutely, biggest interview yeah. of your life. <laughs> um, you know, one of like probably 9 million that you did that weekend. Um, but, you know, now we, we have some, uh, I guess you could say a little more exclusive time. And we really want to talk to, to him about his upcoming book. Uh, with Jerry Conway, uh, I guess it's considered the second value, uh, volume of Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows. Uh, that's going to be dropping in early November. Um, so, Ryan, again, thanks for doing this. And I guess the 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 way to just 
go right into this. How, how did how did you become involved with uh, this this project with Renew, with Renew Your Vows? Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me. Uh, second, um, basically, I left Spider Man, uh, Superior Spider Man. I don't even remember when, but I went and did Wolverine and Inhuman and all these things. But uh, after I left, I kind of I didn't I wouldn't say I regretted it, but I definitely was like even when I left, I said, you know, I still want to do more Spider-Man someday. I just, you know, there were too many opportunities coming my way. Um, So I kept telling Nick Lowe, who, you know, had taken over for Wacker in the spider office, I want to do more Spider-Man. And I kept telling Axel and uh, basically anybody that would listen, um, you know, I'd like to do more when the time presents itself, when the opportunity presents itself. And so um, I had sent Axel an email recently and uh, he, and then like three days later, I got the call to do this book. So Part of me thinks that, uh, and I know it's not true because I know that the book had existed before, but part of me, when I first got it, was like, did they just make this title up so that I would shut my mouth about this? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that's basically it. I was at Heroes Con. I got a phone call, and they asked me to do it, and I said yes. Uh, what was it like during that like transition period to Wolverine? I mean, to me, that seems, you say, it seems like you were almost poached off of a book that you were kind of... <laughs> Like mainlining, you know, uh, or headlining. Yeah. Uh, is there like inner office politics like that? Like people trying fighting for artists? I think so. I don't. You know, I have so little, uh, um, so little, co- like understanding of how that all works. I know that, you know, every once in a while you'll get a glimpse of it at a convention. You'll hear somebody, you know, say something kind of snarky about, you know, so and so is trying to get you on blah blah blah, and you know. Uh, trying to take you away from me or whatever, but you don't hear it too much. So I, I don't ever really know. I know that when I got offered Wolverine, my editor at the time on Spider-Man, I was like, I don't think I want to leave this. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. And he was just kind of like, it's Wolverine number one, like to go from su- launching a Spider-Man number one to a Wolverine number one. He was like, that's a pretty big deal. So uh, he kind of seemed to, th- you know, he thought it was a good idea, and everybody that I talked to kind of had the same uh, feeling about it because, you know, these books, they kind of, um, they they have that natural, um, I don't know what the word is, but they they naturally lose uh, sales as they go along. So, you know, you can launch at a really high number, and then um, you know it trails off. Uh, and then, you know, you can go do a number one and it can, uh, you know, it'll be another huge sales number. So, uh, do you make more money as a result of that? You do. Yeah. Um, so you kind of have to weigh these things because also though, like having a long, nice run on a book, um, allows you to. Uh, have more trades and trades lead to more money. And so like it, it all kind of balances out in a way, but it's definitely perceived as like a big deal to go launch something. So it's hard to pass that up a lot of times. Cool. Well, also, well, also, Ryan, I remember when, when we talked 
a few years ago. I mean, you had mentioned, I mean, at that point, I don't know if, if you knew that at that point that Wolverine was in the cards, but you know, you had talked about that him kind of being like the next frontier for you. So, I mean, that, that, I mean, that had to also be a draw as well. Right. I mean, you, you, you clearly had yeah. an affinity for the character when, when we talked about it. I mean, I, I think that's from like, kind of like your sweet spot of, of comics from when you were a fan. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that, that was, uh, that was definitely like a, it, it, it was hard, especially cause you know, Spider-Man was my ultimate goal. But then like, if you, if I had a checklist of guys of things that I wanted to do, Wolverine was like number two on that list. So it was like, yeah, it was kind of like, well, uh, that's a pretty good gig. So <laughs> I went and did it. Uh, so can you discuss a, a little bit about your collaborative process with Jerry Conway? Like how does it compare to some of the work you've done with writers who are mostly contemporaries of yours, uh, you know, versus Jerry who's been doing this for, I think longer than many of us have been alive. Uh, it's, it's actually pretty similar. Um, he is extremely, um, uh, communicative and, tech savvy especially you know i mean it's it's not like i i i'm not sure how old he is but you know sometimes you worry that they won't be able to you know keep up with the email or something but he's he's absolutely i mean you see him he's on twitter he he's as involved in twitter as anybody else and uh you can tell in the writing too that the things that he writes about he's very aware of of all the new trends and things that are happening so in all actuality um it's not that different. I mean, there are guys. There are guys that I'd say that I work with that I'm close friends with. That you know, like I talk to. I would talk to. Um, or I see them at conventions all the time, or you know, before I start working with them, we already had been like texting each other and stuff like that. Uh, so that's not that type of relationship. But it's he's uh, he's extremely communicative and very friendly and. You know that's that's really all you can ask for. The the worst thing is if a writer is um, not very communicative. Uh, but really, I've only had one or two experiences like that, and uh, he, you know, he's he's as good as anybody else about uh, communicating. And how much visual storytelling freedom does do his scripts provide you? Uh, like, how does he work? He well, he's great. I mean, he's you can see wh- why he's you know a legend essentially. Um, he, he's clearly, he clearly does a lot of research. Um, he, though he's very descriptive, he's definitely a visual thinker. There's a, there's like a definite, um, there's something that you'll notice when you're an artist where some writers, you can tell that they think visually. Uh, and he is one of those writers where he, the, the descriptions that he provides, uh, are very helpful rather than, you know, sometimes you get descriptions that are kind of like, they kind of hinder you, but his are always very helpful. Um, he gives you a sense of the location, and uh, it's he's been very workable in the sense of, like, I suggest, like, oh, you know, my, this might work a little better, and um, he's been completely open to that stuff. So, yeah, is as workable as anybody, I'd say. Now, uh, what was uh, your process uh, for some of the uh, character designs in this series? I mean, we saw some of uh, the the early conceptual artwork here, and mm-hmm. you know, you obviously were able to, uh, you know, base some of it off of uh, Cooper's work from the Secret Wars mini that came out during um, 
you know, a few years ago, but, um, I guess how much freedom did you feel to kind of go in your own direction? Because obviously what we've been seeing in the, in, in the, the conceptual art seems to be different sort of from, <laughs> from the, from the, from the previous mini. So I'm just mm-hmm. kind of curious how much you took from that and then what, what amount of freedom you had. I, I didn't take much from the previous mini. I thought that there was in the previous mini that the costumes had a very specific, uh, story reason to exist uh, and they looked a certain way so that they because you know you had Regent and all those things and and so you had Mary Jane wearing the uh, Regent costume that definitely mirrored uh, his costume and also dealt with the um, his guards or whatever and then, and then Annie Mays was uh, kind of like a thrown together kind of haphazard like a kid playing a superhero thing. And that made sense for that, for that book. Yeah. Um, because it worked within those, uh, within the story. Uh, but when we started this, um, I, I kind of had a blank slate. I could do whatever I wanted. And then we had to figure out a way, you know, obviously to make that make sense. But in our story now, uh, Annie Mae's been, you know, her superhero self for a little bit longer. So she's worked on her superhero costume longer, you know, so she actually had, it it was like before she tied a blanket around her as a cape and, you know, now she's actually taking the time to make her costume. And then Mary Jane, uh, I I just didn't think that she would be satisfied with uh, wearing somebody else's tech and she'd she'd definitely want to have something, you know, very Mary Jane in appearance. So she, um, I figured that, you know, her husband's a science genius and he'd be able, you know, she'd be able to design something from a fashion sense and then he'd be able to take the technology and apply it to her costume. So, uh, there was never really a worry, uh, about, I, I, I honestly felt 100% like I could just go my own way. I had read this thing about designing Mary Jane's face mask and, and, hair, whether you would have it loose or whatever. What was the challenge right. in that for you? Well, I mean, she, she will, there will be times in the book where she, she has her hair down, you know, like if she doesn't have time between the time that she puts on her costume, you know, she, she throws her hair up in that bun, uh, in the first couple issues, but who knows, you know, if she's out at dinner and she, and something happens and she has to change, she can have any hairstyle. But the one thing that I was very, aware of was thinking about uh, Mary Jane and her sort of fashion sense and style, uh, putting a full mask on her face and covering her hair. She was not going to be okay with having that, her hair all messed up and have to redo it to go back out into her daily life. So um, I figured that she could, she could have the eye mask and uh, that would look kind of, you know, sleek and, she could have her hair out and she can kind of do whatever she wants with it. I, I kind of, I have a vision in my head of, of a time when she, uh, goes out, you know, this isn't anything that's been written in, but I always think about like, there'll be a time when she's out and she has to get out there and, and be, you know, uh, superhero. And she, uh, doesn't have time to change her hair and she, realizes halfway through it that she's still wearing her, you know, big earrings, her big floppy earrings. And, 
you know, she has to stop and for a minute and take out her earrings to continue the fight or, you know, stuff like that. So just the typical conversation three adult men have. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. You you guys have no idea how much I've thought about this stuff. There's a, that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Now, um, in terms of, you know, again, kind of going back to the, the, series from from last year you know the, the kubert's renew your vows it took place in this futuristic city and it required uh-huh. the design kind of like a, a new look for that to work um so for for this series you know what are you what are you making distinct about your version of of new york and i guess just the surrounding elements of of where this is all taking place um well that's we decided not to go with the futuristic city. We went more with a um, – we want it to look like New York now. Uh, and so there's no flying cars. That was one of my first questions. And I, I think they thought that I was excited to draw flying cars, but I was kind of like, you know, I'd rather have this be in like real New York City because uh, they were like, sadly, there won't be any flying cars. I was like, no, that's great. That's fine by me. Um, but essentially all we're doing is, is, you know, trying to portray New York as it is now. Uh, you know, we want this story to be, uh, accessible in the way that Spider-Man is accessible. So, um, nothing too sci-fi, you know, like nothing so far out there that it doesn't, you know, it's, it's just, it's almost like a what if in a way, like, um, this is this is legitimately Spider-Man now, just as an, it, with a family in in a pocket universe rather than the six one six. Yeah, I mean we've had Jerry on before, and he's talked a lot about like that the the street level Spider-Man. That's kind of like his his comfort zone. So it, it definitely mm-hmm. sounds like that's what's going to be reflected here. Yeah, that that essentially that's it. We just want to do real. I mean, it, it's just real Spider-Man. It's just maybe doesn't tie into the big events because we're in our own universe, which is kind of nice, actually. On that point, um, we've heard and and read that many of the villains will be like redesigned classic characters with a specific emphasis on their animalistic qualities. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a bit more about this development for the characters and what work you've done redesigning them? Well, where did you hear this, first of all? I read this on, I read this on a number of, uh, of uh, comic news sites. Is this not true? I mean, animalistic, if their name is animal-related, sure. Like, basically, um, the way that I kind of operate is I like my villains to be ugly. You know, I don't. I don't. I want them to be very defined in their features. So, like, if you remember in my Superior Spider-Man run, uh, Vulture looked like a vulture, like his, he had the big nose and the the skinny neck, you know, and the all those things. And so, like our first arc, we have Mole Man, and I definitely took him to um, a place that I feel like he looks more like a mole, uh, but. I feel like that was the initial intention of him. And then the, over the years, artists didn't go as far with it um, as they should have. And so, like, basically, I feel like I'm more taking it back to the original okay. uh, thing. Although, like, like it, it's kind of a – in a way, it's kind of like the ultimate, ultimate Spider-Man where um, 
they could ju- they could have the same characters and then they just did their own bend on them. So like in the first issue we have Scorpion and uh, I just took that original design and there's you know some things that are weren't quite working for me and I just got to do uh, my own thing with them and make it seem more menacing and more threatening uh, as as a costume and then same thing with Mole Man and yeah it's kind of just I just try to take them and and give them uh, a look that, uh, to me, describes their personality more. So in Mole Man's case, uh, you know, he's an underground dweller, so, like, we'll have him kind of sallow-skinned and, uh, you know, you might be able to see his veins through his skin. You know, he's never seen the sunlight and... Yeah. Just things like that. I try to think of those things and and bring those along. You know, it's kind of like in um, in, when I read Batman comics, nothing drives me more crazy than a penguin care when they have the penguin and he does not look like a you know yeah. when he doesn't have a long nose. You know, and he's just got like this almost like I mean he's never handsome, but he's sometimes he just kind of looks like a dude, and that really bugs me. I want I want um, their personality personality to come through in their appearance do you do you feel like in with modern comic art that there's kind of been a a move away from the iconographic representations of comic book superhero characters to more realism yes yes i do and i uh, the way that i look at it and a lot of these characters in spider-man especially were designed by ditko obviously um but I, I always look back at the way that Jack Kirby drew villains, and uh, they were oh they were hideous, you know, and <laughs> but they that gives them like an extra threat, you know, like there's there's that just creepiness to them, and uh, you know they're, they're, I think that what kind of happened is the movies started coming out and there's been this push to uh, sort of. I don't like there, there's never no things ever been said to anybody. I don't think, but it, people feel like, oh, you know, like I'd like to design the thing that it would play well in a movie. Whereas my opinion is, I want to design the thing that plays well in a comic book. Yeah. Uh, you know, if they do if they do a movie, then they can do their own thing. But I I like comic books to look like comic books, and so that's kind of been my uh, my goal is to is to bring it back to, you know, he may have, he may look impossibly strange, but that, that's the, this is a comic book and, you know, uh, we're not, uh, held in place by the limitations of, you know, who can act and, uh, you know, like, uh, you, you, you're, you're going to have difficulty finding an actual man that looks like a mole that you can, that, that also can act. In a movie, <laughs> <You know? laughs> but so, in a comic so, book, I, I can make that happen. So, so, so there probably won't be conversations in this book about who's going to play you in the movie, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. For sure. <laughs> who, who do you uh, think is best doing that kind of work today? Greg, someone like Greg Capullo, or yes, Greg Capullo is great at it. Um, uh, Jason Pearson, I remember I, I brought up the Penguin earlier. That's so that's on my mind. He did a Penguin one shot a while back where he just like did. The de- for one issue, and he did the definitive penguin for me. <laughs> um, 
I'm trying to think who else does it really well. Uh, you know, I, I, I skewed my, my taste skews towards the cartoonier guys. So, um, everybody, there's a lot of guys that do it well within their styles and, uh, Capullo is definitely a favorite though. So his so Joker just, was really cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, so just to change gears here away from specifics with the artwork, you know, um, one of the last conversations we had with creators uh, was with a couple of people from the Clone Saga. And, you know, one of the things that came up in that conversation was how, you know, a lot of the genesis for the Clone Saga was, was you know, this idea of people being concerned about Peter and Spider-Man being stale because he was married and then he was going to have a kid. And, and, you know, the, the clone saga was just one of the ways that Marvel tried to orchestrate away from that. And then they kind of got painted back into a corner again. Renew your vows is something that kind of is born in part from Marvel's being able to finally kind of divorce for lack of a better word, the, the, the married Spider-Man uh, story with, with one more day. And obviously that was, that was a controversial story um, that has, you know, long been debated. So I'm curious for you to, to you, I mean, how do you feel about working on a married Peter? I mean, this is, it seems to be such a polarizing idea. We've had creators from all, all generations talk about, he should be married. He shouldn't have been married. This was terrible. So you're doing the series where it's kind of like putting that genie back in the bottle, even though it's in an alternative universe or, or timeline. So, I mean, to you, I mean, do you do you even look at it from that way? Like your own personal thoughts on on the status quo, or is it just work? <laughs> I I personally, all right, I do not understand the argument that he shouldn't be married or she shouldn't have a kid or that makes him boring. Like, well, first of all, I think that I have a perspective as a married man with two children, uh, that kind of, um, makes me feel that way. But I've, I've always felt like that way. And I also also have felt for a while now, just as I was saying before about, uh, the, the villains and the stuff. The other thing that kind of bothers me is that a lot of modern co- comics leave out the love stories, uh, which I think always really um, elevate the um, story to me, and especially they add to the stakes of the story. So somebody having a family, um, I feel like the stakes to me. You don't even have to work to raise the stakes. They're already raised. They're always raised. They're always at a at a high level. So, um, you know, you have these situations now where somebody in the family is in danger, and if you you know if you have kids or you know you know how intense that feeling is of them being you know if they're sick or something, you know how intense that feeling is of wanting them to to not feel that way or wanting to help them. So, uh, to me, this is an, a really great experiment. Um, because I had been lament, I, I, I said it on Twitter a bunch of times. I always was like, why are there not more love stories going on in these books? Um, and then also, uh, um, I just feel like they, the stakes 
are raised. Like we don't we don't have to give you three pages explaining how the stakes are raised. Now you should know that if uh, Mary Jane gets captured, then Peter's going to go berserk. You know. So uh, to me, it gives us the opportunity to exp- for them to express love in the stories and to uh, and to have you know very intense uh, battles where, you know, one or the other is in danger or whatever. So uh, this, to me, this is the most exciting version of um, Spider-Man. And I, I, I get it like the, um, in terms of the, say, younger Peter Parker or the one that wasn't married, you can have him break up, I guess, is the, the draw of it. But I don't think that, that, that you need to have the on again, off again for it to be a, an exciting story. I think that you can have the um, – that you – if handled properly, it can be just as it's exciting if he's married and, you know, has a kid and all those things. I think maybe perhaps even more exciting. Uh, I totally agree with that 100. Uh, percent We're and we're and we're very excited for the series. Um, one of the things that I noticed about the um, the inked previews for the first issue of, of the book is uh, this. I, I thought a really stunning use of uh, textures, uh, whether mm-hmm. it be some kind of like kind of rough gradients, or even the chalky looking spider sense. Um, is this a visual element that you're pushing yourself to explore a bit further when you're working on Spider-Man titles? Yes, that's a really good question, and I, I'm glad you picked up on that. No, that's just something in my work uh, in general that I've been trying to uh, kind of elevate uh, is my textures and making the world seem tangible. Uh, and uh, in this work, I've kind of... It started on my last issue of Uncanny Avengers. It was number 14. There was a lot of this texture, but um, I found these digital tools that I've been able to incorporate, and I think they've, um, they really enhanced the, uh, the atmosphere in the art. So, like, what you're seeing a lot of is the um, – there's uh, – well, they're in this situation where there's a lot of smoke. I'll say that. And so there, I, I'm using this airbrush tool. You know, I'm doing the pages traditionally, but then I go in with this airbrush tool, and it gives me this really cool atmosphere uh, where some stuff is sort of uh, weaving in and out of the smoke. And uh, it's it's something that I I find really interesting, and I'm really excited to do more with. And especially uh, Sonia, who's coloring the book, Sonia Obeck, uh, has hit. I mean, she's batting a thousand on how she's dealt with everything so far. I was going to say, it probably makes her job a lot harder. I was wondering, I don't know. I don't even want to ask because I don't want to feel bad about it. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, but, when, I, when I saw that pink, you know, like kind of chalky spider scent, I was like, this looks like a nightmare to color. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, you know, I, I'll never understand how colorists do it to begin with, but because um, I, don't, I don't know how to do all the digital tools and stuff, but... Uh, yeah, well, uh, not only that, but on the, the Mary Jane costume, I draw those webs in black, but I need them to be transferred out and made white. Oh. You know, like all these things. I'm throwing all these things on her shoulders, and she's just killing it. So, uh, but yeah, it's it, I, it's uh, definitely something that I'm trying to do more of. 
Now, Ryan, when you were um, penciling Superior, you you started inking your own work, right? Mm, yeah, well, yeah, I started out by inking, yeah. Okay, so um, are you going to continue to do that for on, on Renew Your Vows? And mm-hmm. you know, w- what do you think allows you to ink your own work while so many artists usually don't? Well, uh, for whatever reason, I've tried to have an. Uh, I've tried a couple times to be just a penciler and have an inker. And I don't know if it's just like, uh, like, a my brain is, uh, is, uh, dysfunctional or what, but <laughs> like, I'm, I feel like no matter what, I take the same amount of time on the issue. Uh, well, I know that that's the case. Like it doesn't speed me up any. And so I'm generally happier with the results when I ink my own stuff, just because my own hand is in there. So, you know, I, I kind of feel like the days of me trying to work with an inker are are probably behind me, and I'm just going to ink everything from now on just because uh, it's how I'm most comfortable. Uh, how do you think you've grown as an artist since your time on Superior Spider-Man? And also, what do you, like, want the readers to, like, notice about your new work on Renew Your Vows? I think that uh, I've become a better storyteller. Um, I think I've become more confident um, in my work where there were definitely times in Superior Spider-Man when I look back where the style was kind of, it wasn't, uh, the style would kind of move around because I wasn't sure of myself. Whereas uh, I feel like the style is going to be very consistent. The faces are going to be more consistent. The storytelling will be better just because I've had more experience the figure work will be better. All these things, everything essentially is just better. I mean, we're now like three years removed from it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a long time, you know, in terms of, um, uh, you know, if you think about it, I started pursuing a career in comics, what, like 11 years ago. So three out of those 11 uh, have passed and you just naturally get better. So um, I'm hoping that people notice that stuff. And I, I, I think it's my, I don't think, I know it's my best work that I've ever done. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I, if they don't agree, then um, we'll fight online. <laughs> as, as we want to do, as we always yeah. do. Prepare <laughs> yourself. There's always yeah. someone being negative on the internet. <laughs> so um in, in in the vein of not fighting with people on the internet but in terms of uh your, your growth um you know we, we talked about a little earlier in the interview that you know you've you've kind of, you've achieved certain goals in your career it would seem in terms of like working on characters like spider-man and wolverine who were you know kind of you know big big favorites of yours so i mean kind of going off of that i mean do you see like any of these other like major mountains or whatever you want to call it for you to, to climb in your career? Or are you at a point now where you're just working on improving and honing your craft and, and, and always looking for ways to be better? Or is there just like some big pie in the sky thing that you're still really want in terms of your career? Well, the pie in the sky, and it's not really a pie in the sky cause I can make it happen. Uh, pretty much whenever I'm ready to is, uh, I really just want to create some of my own stuff and, I've created a lot of stuff now for Marvel, a lot of characters, but I'd like to create some stuff that I own. Mm. Um, and that'll happen. Uh, I'm not like, uh, it's not like I don't have those opportunities. 
Uh, it's just that I'm also happy doing what I'm doing right now. Uh, but that is the ultimate goal to me is to be, um, is to create and own my own stuff. Uh, there's also, if like a more, uh, another answer is also though, like at Marvel, I'd like to do some stuff with Thor, um, and at DC, you know, someday I'd like to do Batman. But uh, I feel like you could have, yeah, what, what, what a shocker! <laughs> what is this character, Batman? You've never heard of him. One hundred percent of the artists that you've had on your show, I'm sure, would say the same thing. So uh, it's just kind of that would be cool. But I think the ultimate goal, I guess, the ultimate goal would be to create my own thing and have it work, and you know, m- you know, be a viable career owning and creating my own stuff create a character named man bat and you can kind of cross off two goals <laughs> well man bat already exists yeah 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 but he's not well, anyway <laughs> i i uh when my, when i told my wife about man bat i just kind of mentioned it in passing i said that i had this comic book called batman versus man bat and she's i didn't hear her for a second i turned around and she was laughing so hard that she couldn't breathe. And uh, she was like, there's really such a thing? And then she said, is there a man spider? There is. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I was like, oh, yes. Thanks, I, I, thanks I, 90s cartoon. Yeah. So I personally love those conversations <laughs> where it's like, yeah, yes, I, 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 I've, I've dedicated my life to this medium, and yes, it's embarrassing. <laughs> well, yeah, the funny thing is, is, that, is how... Uh, it doesn't register because it, it didn't register with me that it was funny that there was a man bat, you know, it's just, that's part of life. That's what, the world we live in. It's kind of like when you go to conventions all the time, you know, you stop, you no longer are aware that you're talking to like um, a 45 year old man that's dressed up as Sailor Moon. You're just kind of like, that's normal. I'm at a convention, whatever. Or just try explaining the basic plot of superior Spider-Man to someone. Oh Yeah. Yeah, people have asked me, would that make a good movie? And then, and I think, yeah, of course it would. And then I think about it, and I'm like, that would be a tough sell. But it worked. So. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so uh, to, I guess to move away from the goofy, the goofiness, uh, for our final question, which we like to ask everybody we have on the show, is uh, what does it mean to you personally that you've been able to draw Spider-Man for Marvel? Well... Uh, there's a couple ways that I can answer this. Um, I mean, it means everything to me because essentially this was what I wanted to do. This was, uh, uh, other than the creator own stuff, this was the goal. This, it wasn't Batman. Like I said earlier that I'd like to do some Batman. Well, it was not like I was aiming at Batman. I was aiming at Spider-Man when I started drawing comic books. Like I had, uh, Todd McFarlane's Spider-Man number one cover on poster on my wall. And it was, you know, uh, right on my wall next to my bed where every night, you know, I'd lay on my side and I'd just stare at it. So uh, that was really, really cool for me. And then um, after I got into comic books, it was interesting because uh, I got into them and my dad was like, oh, uh, I have a bunch of those up in the attic. And I'm like, what? And he pull, he brings down this box, and it's, like, full of Spider-Man. And he's, like, it, like old ones, you know, like, valuable ones. Oh, wow. 
And he and I was like, so you were like a Spider-Man fan? And he was like, oh, yeah, I love Spider-Man. And I was like, why wouldn't you tell me this? But my mom uh, also was like, yeah, when I met your dad, his his dorm room was just like wall-to-wall Spider-Man posters and stuff. I was like, I, I know, I, you know, my dad, kind of a private person, never says that stuff. But so that was that that's really cool. And then uh, I don't know, like I when I would do samples um, to break into the industry, there were Spider-Man. Uh, I always read Spider-Man. It's just, it's just one of those things. It's like, um, it was just, it's just such a part of my life. Like even if I wasn't reading other comic books, I was still reading Spider-Man. And now I've got two kids and, you know, like basically their wardrobe is Spider-Man related. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's just, um, yeah, it's just, I just it, it's it's amazing to me that it actually worked out because uh, it's such a it was like it was like at age I was about 15 when I decided I wanted to draw comic books. But when I what I mean when I say I want decided I wanted to draw comic books, it means I wanted to draw Spider-Man uh, and it happened. And the fact that it actually happened is just totally insane. That's so. gr- that's great. Yeah. Uh, so where can uh, our listeners find you, I guess, on the Internet? Do you want to plug any work you've done or books that you have out? Uh, just look me up on uh, Twitter, Ryan Stegman, Instagram, Ryan Stegman, Tumblr, RyanStegman.tumblr, Facebook. Uh, I have a, some weird name on there, but it's Ryan Stegman with uh, Ryan Aloysius Montgomery Stegman, which is not my real name. Uh, <laughs> And I'm just all over the internet, um, books-wise. What about commissions and stuff? How would someone get in line for that? Uh, they would have to wait. <laughs> 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 things aren't going. Things in terms of getting my commissions that I owe people done right now are a little little dicey. So I'm trying my best to get through the ones I have, and until then, I probably won't be taking any more on. So uh, if they want. To you know, like they, they can follow me on Twitter. I'll tell them if they when if or when they open back up. Great. Sorry, sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, no problem. No problem. Do you still do the uh, the five minute sketches at cons, Ryan, or did you have to give that up? No, that's that's the easiest way for me to deal with cons is that I can do that because you know the demand and the people want to get something, and you you end up having to turn so many people away uh, if you do the longer sketches. So that's kind of that's kind of a staple of my conventions um, uh, at the moment. I, I might start doing larger ones at conventions again, but that makes conventions not fun for me, and I, I hate saying no to people. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, for the most part, um, the uh, yeah, those, those will always be an option at every convention I'm at. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Ryan. It was really great having you on. Yeah, thank you guys. It's a lot of fun. Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Well, Mark, we just got done talking to Ryan Stegman. What did you think of that? 
I think we had a conversation with Ryan Stegman and it was a very good one. And uh, you know, Ryan had some good things to say. And I, I especially, I felt he, it was a great interview all the way around, but just kind of hearing his passion again at the end when he, he, he answered our, our what's what, what we, we need to come up with a trademark for that final question, Dan. I, I feel like it's like when you're in the actor studio and you always ask, you know, what do you see when you get to the gates of heaven? And how do you feel to be a Spider-Man artist? <laughs> <laughs> it's the gates of heaven question. Yeah. But um, no, he, he, he's, he's clearly very, very passionate about this, the whole endeavor. And, and Hey, he likes the marriage. So, um, you know, nobody tell Joe Quesada. <laughs> that that, that's a lonely column to be in, in terms of people we've interviewed. Definitely. So uh, that was a lot of fun. And Ryan, once again, thank you very, very much. All right, well, it's time for the end of the show, which means you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and our quite old Superior Spider Talk podcasts. We've actually just crossed over 100 episodes of Amazing Spider Talk proper. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's that, do, do we need to do a special episode for that? Or, no, uh... because this was that episode. Okay, okay. So this is your special 100th episode, everyone. Uh, but of course, if you want to find them, you can find them at superiorspidertalk.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and YouTube by searching for Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please be sure to leave us a review. We love reading your reviews, and they help us spread the word to more people out there that, hey, there's an awesome Spider-Man podcast you should be listening to. Yeah, and, and I especially love uh, reading reviews and then like kind of – obsessing over the criticism in them for like a good three to four months. Mark, you, um, got, you got to get over it. You got to get I, over I, it. I can't. It's, you know, if I remind you of some other people in the, in the news, I just don't know what to tell you, but I just, just can't move don't on. Take the bait, Mark. Okay. Okay. Um, well, you know, believe me, additionally, be sure to check out our brother podcast, the ultimate spin, which is the greatest, the best, uh, podcast. If you want to catch up with the adventures of Miles Morales and Spider Gwen Stacy, that's that's at least what people are saying. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are saying that. A lot of people are saying. Believe yeah. me. Well, you know, uh, if we wanted to hear more things to believe you about, where will we find them? Well, you could find the best Twitter feed, like a number one big league at. Chasing ASM blog on Twitter. And of course, you can find uh, my archived writing at this point at superiorspidertalk.com and chasingamazingblog.com. Dan, what about you, my friend? Well, I work bigly over at Sup Spider Talk on Twitter. And of course, all of my reviews and writings at superiorspidertalk.com, where I'm writing just about everything, it seems. Low energy, sad. <laughs> well, Dan, speaking of low energy and sad, what kind of improv are you going to make me do right now? You know, Mark, uh, you know, we were just talking to Ryan Stegman, who's, who's a pretty stylish artist, but your uncle was kind of this avant-garde, ahead-of-his-time kind of artist, and he, and he liked to work with some really odd and, and actually quite dangerous, you know, like, mediums here. Like, you know, most people would use a paintbrush, but no, Uncle Ben, he used chainsaws, throwing knives, ninja stars, and cannonballs to create art. Did he ever sit you down and explain his artistic theories to you? 
Yeah, well, you know, like you said, I mean, Uncle Ben was always kind of an outside uh, the box thinker. Um, you know, one of his 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 big early uh, influences was, was Salvador Dali. You know, the 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 um, was it the per, per, perception of time or or what's that what's that famous Dali painting? Persistence of memory. Persistence of memory, perception of time, potato, potato. <laughs> Yeah, there was a time I knew this, um, you know, when I was in college and cared about things like art and, and literature. Um, but, you know, I can't I don't have time for that now. I'm reading comics. Um, but anyway, um, so, you know, Dolly, very big influence. And and you know, one of the main reasons you probably don't know this was um, that that my uncle worked in this was, you know, he wanted to kind of create that visual of of the melting clock. But for uh, real, like actual real. Like, clock. Like, yeah, yeah, that was that was his thing. So, you know, he's busting out blow torches and knives and stars and cannonballs um, and just kind of melting it and, and, you know, trying to do all these things. And, you know, it, it was very tragic, Dan. Um, yeah, my, my my uncle Ben, he just got so, so obsessed i guess is for lack of a better word with this thing he didn't realize that he was actually just melting his entire head um so that i, mean, I know, think the first thing you that would go is if you're melting your head is your ability to realize it <laughs> well you know that's the thing so like it was just like i i you know he was at work in the studio and and i i i walked in and and, and you know i'm looking i'm looking on the floor and i see what kind of looks like his body and then i see his face and it but but it looks like the melting clocks and and i wanted i was like where's uncle ben i gotta tell him that he he did it he he recreated it like i mean it doesn't look like a clock it looks more like oh oh my god like it's his face it's his face he he oh my god that I, dan it was horrible i mean like he he was he, and i you know as i you know picked up my my jaw from the ground of just shock and dismay you um, could have picked up his jaw off the ground too well, you know, he was able to kind of like gurgle out from his melted upper region with great podcasts must also come. Amazing Spider Talk. Don't, don't miss the next installment.